Hi guys, welcome back to the podcast. It's Ariel and I am just so sorry there's been a delay in the episodes. It is just a crazy time, number one, but then number two, it's also been a crazy time with my hardware. Just to catch you guys up, my external hard drives have been having a little bit of issue, but $300 and a lot of frustration later, I've gotten them fixed and we're back and I'm excited to just be sending out some of these episodes. I have pre-recorded a few episodes. This is one of them with my friend Robbie and I have a really exciting interview coming up next week and the week after that. So definitely make sure to be on the lookout for that because I just, I'm so excited. So today I have my friend Robbie on the pod and he is someone I met through my best friend Ashlyn, their middle school best friends, but he is someone who is just really artsy and creative but also loves Jesus a lot and just does a lot of cool things. So I thought it'd be cool to just talk about his story. He has a band. He works at a coffee shop owned by a church. He might want to be a pastor. He's learning entrepreneurship and business. And if that hasn't gotten you hooked on listening to this podcast, I don't know what will. So with all that said, I hope you guys enjoy hearing me and Robbie chat and just getting to hear a little bit about his story. And I will let you guys listen to the episode. Hi guys, what is up? It's Ariel and welcome back to As He Promised the Podcast. So today I am joined by a special guest. I'm so excited about introducing Robbie to you guys. So just a little backstory, Robbie and I met, I want to say like 10 months ago in I think September or October, but basically Robbie is from North Carolina and he was, is it middle school friends with Ashlyn? Is that when you guys met? Yes, way back in middle school. Yeah, so they've They've been friends since middle school and Ashlyn is my best friend slash roommate. And so I met Robbie this fall when we went down to Greensboro and um, I met Robbie, I met Alex, I met Kayla, I met all these great people in Greensboro. But Robbie is insane. He does so many things. He works at a coffee shop. He has a band, American Ghost. He's someone who's really passionate for Jesus. And also I just remember that weekend we had so many great conversations about Christ and living out your faith and what stood out to me is that Robbie is a student at Greensboro which is a secular college and that's so different from what I know because I go to Liberty and that's a Christian college but I just kind of wanted to have him on here today to just talk about all his endeavors all the things that he's been working on and then also just living out his faith at a secular college so Robbie if you could just introduce yourself in about two sentences yeah um so i'm robbie like ariel said um i'm going to unc greensboro right now studying business and entrepreneurship i definitely have a passion for um creativity in a lot of different ways um, i'm kind of do a little bit of a lot of things um yeah i love jesus so much um i'm super stoked to be on the show and just excited to dive in and have some good conversation Yay, I'm excited. So give us a little backstory on you. When did you first become a follower of Jesus and kind of how was that journey into growing your faith into how it is now? Sure. Yeah. Um, so I think a lot of people that I'm friends with will have these stories where it's like you were just running from the Lord so hard and then at one point everything changed. Um, and I don't think I particularly have like a moment like that. Um, so I grew up in a, a Christian community. I was actually homeschooled, um, which were, which for me was really beautiful, and I loved it. Um, 
when I was really young, I think at the beginning of elementary school, I actually like made the decision to accept Christ into my life and that I wanted to walk with the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, and I definitely understood what that meant to an extent, but I don't think I understood the depths of it. But I guess that's what following Jesus is in general. You just understand more of the depths and you begin to look more like him. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I said, I grew up in a Christian community, so it was kind of it's easy to follow Jesus growing up because it was kind of the expectation was to look like Jesus or at least follow the, I guess, the cultural guidelines or morals. Um, and then when I came to Greensboro um, for college, I moved to Greensboro from, from Raleigh, where I'm from. And all of a sudden, I was placed in this community of a space where no one around me was following Jesus at all. Um, so it was kind of like a make or break moment, I guess. And the Lord really was super gracious on me in that time. My freshman year was super lonely for definitely the first half, at least. Um, but I think he, he really wanted to show me that I didn't know him as well as I thought I did. Um, and one of the things I realized is that I knew a lot about Jesus, but I didn't know him super personally like I thought I did. And so that whole freshman year of college was just me, I guess, becoming intimate with the Lord in a way that I never had. Um, Mm. And then once I finally found a really solid community, I think everything just started to kind of like blossom from there. Um, So, yeah, I think freshman year was definitely that defining point of my faith. But I've definitely been trying to follow Jesus since I was really young. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy that. Well, number one, I like how you said that homeschooling was a really beautiful time because I, my church has a big community of homeschoolers and most of the people who are homeschooled hated their experience. So for you, why do you think that it was such a great experience or what about it was something that you really loved? Yes, I think honestly, a lot of this is is due to my parents and to their um, intentionality, I think. So both my parents were not believers when they met. Um, but then became believers soon after. So they definitely have a perspective of not necessarily being raised in that kind of Christian circle. Mm-hmm. Um, so they have a really solid perspective of, of what I think the reality of the world is and then what it looks like to to begin following Jesus. And so they never made assumptions of what I believed. I think I saw a lot in in those Christian circles. Sometimes there's a lot of assumption from I guess authority your parents that you just believe in the gospel and you believe it's all true and that you're all for it. Yeah. Um, and as a kid, I don't think that's a fair assumption to make. Um, and so my parents did a really good job of like guiding me in the way of the Lord. Um, but being like, let's dig into the questions you have. Um, like a lot of people weren't allowed to watch or listen to certain things. And my parents were like, well, let's watch that and let's talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, it was a really formative time, I guess, of um, learning about Jesus. But I think because of my parents, it was a really good time of like um, not feeling stifled like a lot of people I think do. Yeah. Do you feel like some of the people who are spiteful towards their experience think that it's because they're sheltered versus your experience? Like you said, you know, your parents didn't really restrict anything. They said like, okay, let's watch it. Let's explore it. Let's talk about why we're against this. And then you can, you know, form your opinion. Yeah, I think... A lot of people that I was maybe an acquaintance with growing up who um, are friends with who I think now are trying to, having to figure out a lot of things faith-wise. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of that was because of, like you said, a parent kind of seeming to shelter them from the world. Yeah. Um, and I think I'm learning more and more that Jesus, like, 
it's just a simple concept, the same thing in the world, but not of it. And yeah. just entirely trying to remove the world from yourself doesn't really benefit anyone, I don't believe, especially in that time when you're trying to figure out what you believe and you're trying to, like, grow up and learn. Yeah. So what you just said, you know, being in the world but not of the world, going back to your freshman year when you said that it was just a lonely experience, was it something that was lonely because you weren't experiencing a a lot of the things that, you know, is a normal college experience, such as, you know, like partying, sleeping around, um, other temptations like that? Or were those things that were those things that like did appeal to you, but you just chose not to, if that makes sense? Yeah, I think I was firm enough in my understanding of I guess how beneficial the way of Jesus is, um, how it's kind of like the way of Jesus, I believe is the most fruitful life for us. Um, and I think I definitely had an understanding of that going into freshman year, Mm -hmm. um, but that doesn't make it easy to do that, especially when you don't have other people around you following Jesus in the same way. Um, and so I guess when you, when you move to college and like, I didn't know anyone in Greensboro when I moved. Um, so a lot of people, the easiest way to find friends would be to or meet people or feel some sort of connection would be the things that you kind of stated of like going out to party or sleeping around or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and because those things didn't really appeal to me, I was just like, all right, well, I guess I'm just here looking for some like solid friends. And that was much harder to find, um, I guess, starting with nothing. So I really like how you said that that's when your relationship with Jesus grew because you know, you were lonely and you're able to just rely on him. But moving forward from there to now, when I met Robbie, he had this great or he has this great community in Greensboro. So how did you go from, you know, just being you in relationship with Jesus to then having this community being plugged into a great church, great friend group, and, you know, like having your band in the coffee shop and all those things that you use to share your faith and connect with other people? Yeah. Um, so I had um, a few other friends at the beginning, a couple of really amazing people, but I guess we didn't have a, we didn't have a lo- whole lot of people outside of us. Um, and so, and I was also going to a church that was really amazing, but it was kind of big. And mm-hmm. a lot of it probably from like personal um, detriment, but I, I wasn't super connected there. Um, so it was just hard. I didn't feel a whole lot of community coming from church. And then I think in, yeah, so in December of this last year, um, the coffee shop that I now work at, they opened. And so about a month after they opened, um, I went in and the manager who, I guess a backstory to back up, this coffee shop is owned by the church that I now go to, um, which is a really beautiful mission opportunity. We'll get into that, I'm sure, in a little bit. But yeah, I went in there by myself and I was just reading my Bible and the manager, Daniel, who's now a mentor in my life and a really, really good friend, um, he just came in, came over and was like, hey, man, what are you reading? Let's talk. Um, and that was kind of my first connection into that community, um, which is United City Greensboro Church. Um, and then I ended up coming out to a service and everyone was just so welcoming. They just really invited me in so quickly. Um, and then the more and more I met people, the more I found like mentors and, and friends. And it just became definitely that's where I found that family. That's a crazy story 
to just, you know, be in a coffee shop and it just happens that it all kind of works out that way. So kind of just, well, first of all, diving into or going back to the loneliness. I know a lot of people often feel lonely during their college years and their teen years. For you, what was the way that you coped with it? Because I know you said your relationship with Jesus, but just practically, how did that look? Right. I think we all, a lot of times are just like, oh, you're lonely. The answer is Jesus. And that is true. But that's really hard to figure out what that looks like sometimes. Right. Um, so for me, it definitely was digging into that personal relationship of like reading scripture and prayer. But it was also um, a time that I got really into songwriting. Um, and a lot of those songs, looking back, um, in some ways I knew this was what they were. And sometimes I didn't. But they really were like kind of all prayers. Um, or at least me just kind of like working through my emotions um, generally in a prayerful way. Um, so I think songwriting was probably the biggest way that I would kind of like work through what was going on in my life and try to figure out like where I was and where I wanted to be. Um, mm-hmm. And it, w- it was really, really cool that I, I had gotten to a place where my relationship with the Lord and my creative outlet of songwriting was kind of connected. I kind of, so I, you keep on bringing up stuff that I want to talk about. So we'll come back to songwriting, but then just going back into the coffee shop. Tell us a little bit about that and how the church started it, the idea behind it, and then how you started working there. Yeah. So the original vision came from our pastor, Spencer Lohman, who he just really has a heart for the city of Greensboro and for creating culture within the city. Um, I think back to what I was saying about my growing up years, instead of separating um, and like removing yourself from the city, rather like creating culture that looks like Jesus in the, in the community. Um, and so Spencer's also a big entrepreneur and, and is really into business as well. Um, and so one of his ideas was what if we created a space um, that was a coffee shop um, that would not necessarily just be like a mission outlet where we were like, okay, you come in and we tell you about Jesus, but rather just a space to, to bridge that gap between the church and the culture um, mm-hmm. and a space where like conversation could be had. And um, he, he asked the guy who's now the general manager, Daniel Davison, just asked him if he would quit his job pretty much and be willing to start a coffee shop. And Daniel, who is so faithful to the Lord, but had never had any coffee experience, um, had never done anything like this. He said, yes, that call. Um, and Daniel spent, I don't know how long, but I know it was months of meeting with other coffee shop owners and other um, businesses, figuring out how you take something like that off the ground. Um, and Daniel just put so much research into it. Um, and then, like I said, last December, they opened the doors. And it's really been such an incredible space, just, like I said, creating conversation. Um, because people who are not following Jesus and a lot of times don't want much to do with Jesus, they definitely, for the most part, wouldn't be willing to walk into church on Sunday morning, but they would be willing to sit down with you over a cup of coffee. Um, and that also puts a face to, to the church and to Christian culture instead of it just being like this distant thing. Um, and it's been really cool. I think in some ways it's been, I guess it's been beneficial in two ways, I think, to our community. It's been super beneficial to the church, like the capital C church in Greensboro, um, meaning 
like I think in any given day, if I am working in there, if I'm in there, you'll see leaders and pastors and people who go to all kinds of different churches around Greensboro who are on mission in different ways. Mm-hmm. But the coffee shop is a space where they're able to kind of meet and connect. Um, like there's a lot of musicians from different churches or different worship collectives who'll come in, um, as well as like I've met some pastors who have mentored me from other churches that I probably would never been able to meet before without the shop. Um, and then simultaneously, there's like a whole group of people who um, are not following Jesus, but just feel loved in that space. Um, so it's just a space that like kind of all the barriers of the establishment of church have kind of been broken down. It's like, let's just be here together and let's just drink coffee and talk. And it's, it's been really amazing. Yeah, that's incredible. So just talking about your experience working there, can you share one story where you've been poured into by working at that coffee shop and then one story where you've been able to pour out into someone else? Man, there's so many people who've poured into me. Um, so I hesitate to even like name someone, but um, in particular, this this one guy who's a pastor at, at Mana Church in High Point, um, his name is Jefferson. And just his intentionality with us as baristas has been incredible. Um, I had the opportunity to um, give a short teaching at my church, and I was working two weeks or so before that teaching, and Jefferson was in the shop studying some stuff for a seminary class. And I just went over and asked him, I was like, hey, man, at some point, would you have any interest in sitting down with me and, and chatting about what it looks like for you to write a sermon? Um, and Jefferson was like, you want to do that right now? And just that, like, willingness to pour into me in that moment was really amazing. And he kind of walked me through his process and then was like, man, if you have any other questions or anything, um, please let me know. And that's just one story, but there's so many different people um, that I really look at and I'm like, man, I want to be like this person. Um, There's definitely, like, a a handful of men that, like, I definitely look up to and want to follow them as they follow Jesus, which is really, really an amazing space to be in. Um, yeah. And then on the, the pouring outside, I think there's not a, but like one particular that I want to share, um, but I think it's just been really amazing to see the shop become a space that's a safe space um, for people, particularly, which which has been really cool during this time of the coronavirus. Um, we've been open for takeout and all of the regulars have continued to come in. Um, and obviously we can't hang out with them. We can't do much, but it's so obvious that just our, um, our space and the way we've intentionally tried to pour into them and love them has really made an impact and made them feel welcome and made them feel like that space is home for them. Mm. Um, which has been really, really incredible. And I think yeah, just the response from them during this time has been amazing. That's incredible. I just love the the idea behind this coffee shop and, you know, what you said the idea was having a space where people who don't go to church, have never been to church, are comfortable coming and still being able to see that, you know, people of the church are regular people, but then feeling like it's a safe space where they aren't in, you know, the traditional building, but are still coming there and they have the opportunity to meet Christ. And I feel like that kind of reminds me or like it's reminiscent of Jesus's ministry here on earth, you know, cause he would go and meet people and he would 
have food and he would have drink and he would, you know, meet them where they are because some people are, I feel like there's, there's just, I don't even know what to say, but like, you know, there, there's like a presence about a church. And I think a lot of times people are intimidated by it because they have expectations or they think it's going to be a certain way just based off of history or how they've other seen other people or like, you know, I've had people say like, oh, I've been to church with my cousin this one time and it was like this. And then their assumptions kind of base off of that. But like a coffee shop is just so unassuming because we all like to go to coffee shops or we all like to, you know, just like sit down in a space and hang out with their friends. But I think it's cool that you have that to like meet the culture, but then also to bring Jesus there. Yeah. I think one of the things that I've seen is kind of our, one of our biggest roles, I think in some areas of the world or areas of the country, the role would be to introduce people to Jesus for the first time. Yeah. Um, But I think so much of where I've seen personal growth from people, um, and I've definitely built some relationships with a lot of people who I've met just from coming to the shop. And a lot of that has come from people who have a disillusionment towards the church or a misunderstanding of who Jesus is. Mm-hmm. So I think rather than just like meeting Jesus for the first time in this shop, a lot of what we're doing is like, hey, maybe what you experienced before was not the love of Christ. Um, what would it look like to revisit who he is? Yeah. Um, which has been really amazing how quickly, if you show someone some love, they're willing to like dive into those questions and stuff. Yeah, for sure. Do you think that people are surprised to find out that you're a Christian and that it's a Christian coffee shop if they're walking in for the first time? Yeah, so it's been interesting. Um, We're kind of pretty well-known in the community at this point. There was uh, just some people, I guess in general, knowing that it's a church, um, put up some backlash towards it. So I think the word has kind of got around that union's owned by a church, right? At least for the most part. Um, So a lot of people aren't surprised walking the door, but maybe they're a little skeptical. Yeah. like to see if are are these people genuine? Um, what is this all about? I guess. Um, so for the most part, I think I've seen not a lot of surprise about the fact that we're generally Christians, but I guess the surprise about that we want to be consistent with that relationship. Um, something about Daniel that he's tried to implement, which I think is really really incredible, and it definitely stems down from from our pastor Spencer and his intentionality as well. Um, but like at our last staff meeting, Daniel was like, all right, let's like list out 20 customers. And then we, you know, of course, we're able to rattle off the names because that's how it is when you work in service. And then he said, all right, tell me something, a fact about these people that you know from conversating with them. And that was really interesting because I think in other places that I've worked, um, customer service has definitely been pushed, but not actually knowing much about the customer or trying to legitimately build a relationship with someone, know who they are. And it was interesting to see how, like, for the most part, I was like, wow, we really do know these people. And it was, it was just a really, really cool moment to realize that. I've worked in customer service and I've never had a manager be that intentional with our customer service. And for, you know, Daniel to take it a step further and then kind of connect it to them being real life people, you know, like individual people coming into your coffee shop. I feel like that's when you take customer service and the coffee shop to the next level of like, oh no, this is not just a business, but this is ministry. Because I think when we look at people and we see them individually as who they are, as people who 
need to, you know, who have the opportunity to know Jesus, that's when it doesn't really come into like, oh, this is, you know, a coffee shop, but it's something more. But still at the same time, it is customer service. So just out of curiosity, do you guys ever have customers who come in and, you know, are hard to deal with or disrespectful? And if you do, like, how do you deal with it? And how, how do you kind of deal with your customers in a way that sets you apart from other restaurants and other businesses? Yeah. Um, I think for the most part, we're super blessed to have an incredibly loving and supportive customer base. I think where we've tried to love our, our customers, they've like doubled that back to us, which is really amazing. But I think anywhere you are going to have, of course, those people who are unhappy. Um, and I think the same goes for whether it's ministry or not, I think any, anywhere you're working as a believer, you can only do what you can do, I think. Um, and you can just continue to, to show that love of Christ. And you Sometimes just an interaction is going to be bad. And you try to figure out why it happened and maybe you can fix it next time. Um, but I think for the most part, really just knowing that, like, all we can do is continue to try to love people the way Jesus would. And, you know, sometimes people didn't respond super well to Jesus, even if he obviously did nothing wrong. Yeah. Um, I think one, the only, one of the only awkward places, which has been really incredible, um, we've had a lot of people from our homeless community spending a lot of time in the shop, and it's been really, really incredible. Um, there's been some people that we've definitely got to be really close friends with, and um, it's been a really good space to, like, I guess, like I said, having all those different people in there sometimes, like before I was referencing just like believers and non-believers, but also um, having people who have a lot of money in the shop and also people who have don't even have a home in the shop. Um, and for the most part, that's been super smooth. But I think as the, as the reputation's gone around that, like we'll give someone a free cup of coffee. Um, sometimes some people will come in who, who do want to cause a problem and Daniel is super, super graceful with that. It's definitely hard, but I think ultimately any situation just has to be played um, person to person. And you like, like you said earlier, like realizing that everyone who comes in the shop is a human being and an image bearer of God, um, mm-hmm. even if they're going to be rude to us or something. Um, but just treating them as a human and trying to love them the way that Christ would, which is definitely much easier said than done. But that's the goal. Yeah, I love that. So you said when you're introducing yourself that you're pursuing a degree in business. In the future, do you want to use that to open up something similar to where you work now? Or what are your plans for that in the future? Yeah, so I definitely have like, I think it's kind of two paths that may definitely intertwine. Um, I love small business and I love the the community aspect of that. Um, Growing up in Raleigh, there was a ton of like bakeries and coffee shops and um, clothing designers who all kind of would work together. And I was super, super inspired by that in high school. And I, I still am. Um, so I definitely have a passion for that. And then also I felt to some degree in my life, a call towards teaching the word. Um, and I'm not sure exactly what that looks like yet. I don't know if that looks like pastoral ministry, or if that looks just like leading a discipleship group while I'm in business. Um I think what's cool is, is right now Union is both of those things. Um, Union is an opportunity for me to to learn from pastors and people in my community, as well as a place for me to learn about small business. 
Um, so I guess to answer that in short, like I'm really not sure yet, but I have a little bit of an idea. That's cool. I can't wait to see what you're going to do because I feel like what you're doing now is so incredible, but you know, that in the future, plus some time and experience magnified and the Lord working through it, I feel like it's going to be great, but I'm excited to see. Um, but then diving into some of your other endeavors besides the coffee shop, you just said that, you know, you're interested in ministry, um, or teaching the word. So I know that I think your band has, um, been an outlook or been a, an air, a way that you can outreach to other people and share the gospel. Is that something that you do just through, you know, with your band members or that you do individually or through songwriting or kind of what's the process through that? Cause you mentioned earlier, you know, you wrote a lot of songs during freshman year. Yeah. So, um, when it comes to the band, we definitely wouldn't consider ourselves, um, like in the in the Christian music vein, um, but I think on a personal level, there's been so much opportunity to look a little bit different. Um, a lot of the music we love is is around like the indie rock culture, and that culture just kind of lends itself to a lot of sadness um, and a lot of medicating that sadness with with drugs and alcohol, um, and that's not really something that us in the band, I think, uh, are super into. Um, so it's, it's been a really cool opportunity to kind of go to those shows and really just be with those people um, and dance and jump around with them, but not really participate um, in, in the things that we wouldn't necessarily agree with. And then I think on a songwriting level, I think for me, one of the things I have to realize is, is that the band is three people. It's not just me. And so it's like, it's like basically having three CEOs of a business. Um, I've heard it compared that way. And I think that's super true, which can be definitely hard when you're trying to figure out, okay, what are we trying to do? What is our mission? Um, what do we want to proclaim to people? And so I think we all respect where each other are at a whole lot um, and respect what each other want to say. But we try to write things that I think for the most part would represent each member of the band. Um because I, I wouldn't necessarily want to want me and the guys around me to be singing something that they weren't 100% sure they agreed with or, or likewise, um, whether that be politically or spiritually or whatever that is. Um, but I think for each of us in our songwriting, we definitely have like a, a hunger for, for digging into and uncovering truth. Um, and for me, that's pretty much always comes back to, to my relationship with the Lord. Um, so definitely my songwriting and my personal songwriting comes around to my faith a lot, particularly like I mentioned earlier, because I think some of where my songwriting is the best is when it's a prayer, because I think that's some of the most genuine. Um, but yeah, that's kind of, I think, the, the overview of of our mission. Yeah, I really like how you said that, you know, it is three CEOs. And so I think, you know, just being respectful and the collaboration of you three, um, like you said, you know, none of you guys want to have each other sing or play songs that they don't fully agree with. Um, and I think that's just a great model for how we are just to be in every aspect of life, whether that's, you know, schoolwork or work or being on a team, just learning that, you know, we should be respectful of each other and where each other is coming from. Each have given each other the space to 
if we want to present something, everyone's in support of it. I think there's a mutual respect, like I talk, talked about, but I think that mutual respect also lends itself for us wanting each other to voice our opinions. Yeah. Um, like we had the opportunity to get interviewed and the guys were super encouraging. I think all three of us were super encouraging of um, let's talk about exactly where we're at on a personal level because we're three people within a larger band. This isn't just like the American ghost belief system or the American ghost sound. It's uh, three people that make up a larger thing. Right. Yeah. I love that perspective. What is a valuable lesson that you've learned just from collaborating with your bandmates and just, you know, working with American Ghost over the past few years? I think learning that balance between speaking up and voicing where the things I want to be implemented, trying to get those implemented, but also realizing that the other two members' visions may not entirely correlate with mine, and their visions are just as valuable as mine. Mm. Um, Which I think at the beginning, I would have a lot of ideas and a lot of vision. Um, But in high school, I was pretty quiet, so I would definitely lend myself towards just letting whoever was in the lead lead, um, and wouldn't really put in my my thoughts or perspective too often. Um, And now that I think I've I've dug into my creative side and, and my own songwriting a lot. It's kind of the other way. I've got to be like, all right, here's something that I want to present. But do you two think that this would be cohesive to throw on the set list? Um, and the answer is usually yes. They're usually like, let's make this happen. But um trying to be respectful of, of that larger vision. Yeah. So how did you kind of get to a point where you're able to just voice your opinions or voice your ideas because I know something that a lot of people struggle with is being like an active person and just presenting their ideas or not having confrontation but even just speaking up instead of just you know taking the easy route and just shying to the back and then letting their opinions fade away just for the sake of not having conflict. I think for the band a lot of it comes around the idea um, of us just being really close and having a space where we're able to cut up with each other, but also genuinely respect each other's opinions. Um, I think we've been together as friends and playing music together long enough that we know that each other are gifted in our particular areas, I guess. Um, So like Hunter knows a lot more music theory than the rest of us. So if Hunter says something doesn't sound right, we definitely are going to listen to that. Um, And Matt has just like a gift for, for aesthetic and for melody. And so, like, I know that if Matt points something out in that realm to me, then we're definitely going to listen to that. Um, and so for, I think, the, the band, like I said, a lot of it is just trust of each other. And with that trust that I have for them, they have that same trust for me. Um, and that's made it a lot easier for me to speak up because I know that my opinion is going to be respected or heard. Um, but in life, I think it took me a little bit longer. I, th- I think I'm definitely at a point now where, I'm willing to uh, disagree with people and share my opinion, but I think that was definitely hard for me for a while. Um, I definitely, in high school, would definitely consider myself a people pleaser. Um, Oftentimes I'd chalk that up to loving people well, but that's not always the same thing by any means. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think I just had to reach a point where I realized I can't make everybody happy and I it's much better for me to stand on truth with grace than it is for me to just try to make someone happy. 
um, which is a hard lesson to learn, but I think it's, it's really starting to sink into my, I guess, my mindset. Yeah. Yeah. I really like that, you know, share truth with grace. Um, but I mean, something that I've just observed by the times I've hung out with you is that so many people do like you, you know, they really, you have a lot of people around you who really just speak highly of you. And I feel like you have such a joy that people are attracted to. Um, have you always been like that? Or is this something that has been recent? Have you really just been diving into your relationship with Jesus? Yeah, I, I think, um, so the question is like, have I always kind of had that joy? that people yeah. can talk to. Is that yeah. right? Um, mm-hmm. I think to some degree, yes. Um, but I think that it, it's grown as I've grown closer to Jesus. I think that's the simple answer. Um, and there's definitely some stuff mixed in with that that's not all good. Like, I think I was definitely in high school pretty concerned with what people thought of me. Um, and usually I was able to, to be quite honest, like, care about it enough where people would like me, um, which was not a super healthy mindset all the time. But I think kind of in in that freshman year, when I was really digging into my relationship with God, I think a lot of that started to kind of fade away. And I realized very much that I don't need to try to make people like me in order to love people well and to have those relationships where people can see that light. Um, So yeah, I think that, that would be my answer. Yeah, that's really good. I mean, I just know from like my own experience that sometimes I still deal with wanting people's affirmation and, you know, I don't know if that's something that you can relate to, but if it is, what are just some things in scripture that, you know, keep you rooted to what you just said of allowing God to kind of just define what you say and how you lead your life versus what other people's opinions are? I think one is like when I look at different people in scripture and realizing that they struggled with the same thing, um, like Peter denying Jesus, that's, I would like to be like, I would never do that. But that's that same emotion and same mindset that I think I have when I'm trying to get people to affirm me. Mm. Um, which I think is really interesting. So that's honestly kind of an encouragement to me to see, okay, like this isn't just a 2020 or just a Robbie issue. This is something that, it's just a part of sin and the curse of sin in, in general. Um, and then looking at just the larger reality of what matters, that's obviously much easier said than done. But I think as I've grown closer to Jesus, that relationship on a personal level has gotten deeper. But I think also he truly permeated my vision of the world as a whole. Um And I think, like, something we talked about, like, a lot growing up was, like, don't just be, like, a Sunday Christian. And, of course, that's so true, but I think you can, like, know that logically. Um, But the more you start to know it on a personal level, the more your relationship with Jesus starts to permeate, not just, like, every day of the week, but your thought processes and everything you choose to do. Um, So, yeah, I think that would be how I've kind of worked my way through that, but I definitely will say, like, I'm not entirely out of that by any means. Um, I think, like, even um, this last fall, I, I, there was a particular moment where I, I was playing Cajon in the worship band, 
and I was wearing like a long tee and a hat and I, I just was like I had this moment of like man like all these people think I'm so cool and this is awesome um <laughs> <laughs> and then this is kind of a funny story. I, I had to go pick somebody up, so I, I went for a drive. And while I was driving, I was like, Lord, just humble me, which is a terrifying prayer to pray. <laughs> but then when I, when I got back to actually rehearse for, for worship, I didn't have that mindset at all. And then I went up to try to play one of the songs, and I completely forgot to play one of the songs, like how to play it. I think God was just kind of like, he has a sense of humor like that. He's like, look, like you're not all that. Like, look at the bigger picture. Um but yeah, I think just looking at at the bigger picture of reality and who God is, I think has really begun to permeate into those smaller mindsets like that for me. So how do you walk the line between, you know, having confidence versus cockiness and being like, okay, God, take it back a few levels? Honestly, I think that's one of the hardest things for me. Um, I have this weird paradox in my life of because I'm, a more like naturally more peaceful and softer spoken person. People often tell me that I walk in humbleness or meekness, which is in turn makes me get prideful about my humbleness, which is this like terrible cycle. Um, but yeah, walking that line is hard. And I think the answer is nothing crazy. I think the answer is just like, letting embracing that sanctification process um even when it's painful um and i'm definitely so much in the midst of that like i think i i go between these two mindsets of like i'm never good enough and i have to prove myself and then this other mindset like i was kind of referencing other a minute ago as a, kind of as a joke that where i kind of think, feel like i'm all that um and i realized at some point in high school when i was thinking about that that I think apart from God, we feel either like we're worthless or we feel a ton of pride or both at the same time. Mm -hmm. Um, But what Christ offers is that we aren't worthy, but through him, he chose us and makes us worthy. So both are true and neither are true, right? Yeah. Um, Which is such a hard reality to kind of grasp. But I think really pressing into trying to see me myself how God sees me is the answer to how to walk that line. Yeah, that's really good. I know that I think we all kind of walk that line because it's like, you know, to be confident in ourselves can oftentimes so quickly turn into arrogance or cockiness. But I think what you said, like, you know, walking that line of knowing that our confidence in Christ really just helps us stay grounded, but then also not look at ourselves and be like, oh, I can't do anything, you know, because we can through Christ. So I really like that answer. But just kind of diving back into music and everything, do you have someone who is kind of the inspiration behind how you, you know, lead worship or how you kind of operate in your band or, you know, like who are some Christian songwriters and non-Christian songwriters that you look up to or just give you some inspiration? Yeah. So I think even before I was writing songs, I was super, super interested in lyrics. And I think that really started in high school um, with Tyler Joseph from 21 Pilots, actually. (laughs) Um, Just like the, the... 
the layers of metaphor and meaning inside his music, I was super blown away by the fact that you could like you could do that. I was I was like you, you don't just have to have a straightforward meaning. Like there can be literally three layers to that. Um, and so when I realized that, I was like, wow, like words are so crazy. Like you can make sick stuff with words. <laughs> um, so I think that was one of the first ones. And then like when we started our band we all really liked 21 Pilots when we first got into music together. And of course I played the drums for the band. So I was really influenced by Josh Dunn, 21 Pilots drummer in a drumming sense. I think he's like, especially at the time he wasn't like the technically most like fast drummer, um, but he was super creative and super good at utilizing the skills he had and working in showmanship with that. Um, But then when it comes to the songwriters and stuff now, there's a couple people that I really, really like. I think one of my favorite songwriters ever is Noah Gunderson. He's actually not a believer, um, but the way that he, he ponders life and people and relationships and the church even, I think is so insightful. Um, mm-hmm. and, and he grew up within the church, so he has a really, really interesting perspective of Christians as a whole. And I think a lot of times he speaks a lot of truth, honestly, even though I... I very much don't agree with the conclusions he's come to. Yeah. Um, But he really inspires me on a writing level. And so I would love to be able to write somewhat in that style, but with the conclusions I've come to. Um, And then on on the Christian side, I love King's Kaleidoscope. Um, I've been super influenced by them. A couple of their records have actually really helped me with my faith and with some questions and doubts I've had. So that's been really cool. Um, and then a little bit more like simplistic level, Chris Renzima. He's also a Christian acoustic singer-songwriter. Um, he just, he finds a way to say things that I think within the Christian sphere, there's a lot of songs that kind of say the exact same thing and use the same words to say them. Um, and Chris really finds a way to make it sound very authentic. He He writes in a way that's, it can definitely be compared to a psalm or compared to something that's been said before, because I think that's a lot of how faith works. Mm-hmm. But he says it in a way that is definitely so personal that I'm able to resonate, um, as opposed to, I guess, some of, some of the more cliche stuff is harder to resonate with because I feel like I've heard it before. Um, so yeah, Chris, Chris Renzima is definitely a big one for me right now, too. Yeah, I am not that big into music, so I will probably look them up after this, but I remember the King's Kaleidoscope, um, I think they're a band, right? They came to Liberty? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. We actually got to go see them at Liberty, which was a crazy experience. Um, and like I had mentioned a second ago, one of their albums kind of helped me through some doubts I was having in, in a really major sense. And it was really crazy. That stuff had kind of come to conclusion in my mind right before that concert so then getting to go see them at liberty was such a cool experience because i was like had just been i guess my eyes opened through some of the words that he had written and then Mm -hmm. i got to see it live and kind of jump around with some friends and stuff but it was a really really beautiful moment wow that's crazy um i really call you also draw inspiration from people who aren't believers or you just look up to their work I think that's really cool and I think one of the things that really stick out to me from interviewing you so far is that you're definitely one of the people who are able to be in the world but not of the world but with that I'm also curious too 
how do you, with all the busyness of like the band and coffee shop and school and working ministry, how do you have time for yourself and for your relationship with God? And what does that quiet time kind of look like for you? Sure. I think I'm realizing this recently that I'm not a very naturally disciplined person. I was actually talking to my mom on the phone today about this. Um, my dad is super disciplined. Um, and I wish I would have got that from him, but sadly I did not. Um, so it's really hard for me to be super consistent with waking up at the same time and doing it. Um, but I, I did at the beginning of this year for a month or so, every day was doing, um, I think it was particularly fruitful because this is when I was super busy. Um, so it would be easy to overlook a quiet time or kind of, um, shortchange it a little bit. Um, but I was waking up a little bit earlier and every day doing it in the morning. And I think that was the most beneficial to me. I would start with reading some Psalms and just spend some time in prayer and then read whatever, um, part of the Bible I was choosing to go through and kind of dig into that. Um, but yeah, I, I wish I could say that my quiet time was super consistent in the same way regimented every day. Um, what is not, I think in this time of, of everything kind of being canceled because of the coronavirus, the Lord is really like teaching me to spend time in intimacy with him. Um, and so that looks very, definitely very different in different ways. I think, I think Psalms are a really good, consistent thing for me in the morning. And then I also, I definitely experience the Lord through, through prayer, especially when I'm walking in, in creation and through music. Um, so I've really dove recently into kind of playing guitar and maybe starting out with something that someone else has written or I've written, and then just trying to kind of sing to the Lord. And that's definitely something that I don't want anyone else to see because it's not good. Um, but it, it's, those times have been some of the times that I've really experienced the Lord on such an intimate level and been able to feel his presence in a space. Um, and then, like I mentioned before, I think being in creation. So I've spent a lot of time out at some parks, um, just walking and praying or, or reading through the word and praying. Um, so I think the Lord speaks to me a lot through the things that he's made when I do those things with him, when that comes to either music or his, his creation. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, because I was just curious because I am the same way. Like, I'm not disciplined and I'm always really busy in real life. And so I'm always just curious about how people, like, similar to me, do their quiet times because, like, I'm not a morning person. So I have to <laughs> force myself, you know, to be consistent in it or find time, like, try to do it before I go to sleep or something in order to stay consistent. I think another thing for me, when I was super busy, especially that was fruitful, when I was super consistent with getting up every morning, um, after that, I would just make a point to whenever I was driving somewhere, use that time to pray. Mm. Um, I definitely came to, I definitely heard the Lord's voice a lot in that time, um, just turning the music off or not listening to music while I was walking and just using that time to just like observe the world and pray in that space. Yeah, I feel like the best way, if you're a crazy busy person and you're someone like us and you're always doing something to be in God's presence is just to 
learn how to be still and turn off all the distractions. But that's so much harder than, you know, just saying it. Because I know for me, like, I'm always on my phone or my computer doing some work, some project. And so I think the hardest thing for me to be with God is just to shut it down, step away and be like, all right, here's 30 minutes of my day. Right. Just like physically turning it off is so helpful. Just like yeah. that distraction. Yeah. Sometimes I literally have to put it in another room so I don't even have to hear it. I'm like, oh, nope. I think that's why like, for me going to a park has been so crude for going for a walk. Um, because I'm, I know that I'm there for that purpose. So, like, if I bring my Bible and go sit at a bench at a park um, and my phone is off, it's not like I'm in my room and have other homework to do. It's like I'm here to meet you, Jesus. Like, that's why I'm here, and this is literally a date. So I'm going to be here. I love that. My One of my mentors told me that when she was single and in college, she used to go on dates with Jesus and she would just go like to coffee shops and kind of what you do and go to parks and just be with him there. I've done it a few times, but that's really good advice for everyone who is cooped up in their house right now and can't really go anywhere. But, you know, we can always go outside and then just have a quarantine date with Jesus one-on-one. Absolutely. So out of curiosity, I don't know if you're into the Enneagram, but what Enneagram are you if you know? Yeah, so it's funny. It was really hard for me to figure out. Um, I actually got high scores on a bunch of them, so I was pretty uncertain. Um, but I think I've come to the conclusion that I'm a two-wing three. Are you really? Yeah. I was going to say, I was like, I was thinking that maybe you are nine, you know, the peacemaker, because I feel like a lot of nines think they're other numbers. But then I was like, oh, no, he he could be a two or he'd be a three. Those are my top three that I was thinking. That's like, I was actually very distracted by the nine for a long time. I thought I was a nine and I was like, man, this really doesn't resonate with me. Like I, I can confront people. Like a lot of the peacemaker stuff just like kind of made sense, but didn't. And so, yeah, exactly. I finally settled on a two wing three. Okay, there you go. I was interested because I've been getting into the Enneagram lately. And so I was like, I wonder what everyone is. What are you, Ariel? I'm a three. I don't know if I'm a three wing. I think I'm three wing four or three wing two. Actually, I don't know the wing yet, but I'm like a clear three. I know that for sure. I've never been like, oh, yeah, I I don't know what subtype I, I am, but I know that I'm a three since I took like one of those tests and it told me I was a two and I was like, there's no way that I'm a two. You're like, well, I know Christian girls like want to be a two, but I know myself. I know that I'm like not a people person naturally. I'm a very like individual, self-motivated person. So, right. I could definitely see you being a wing too, though. I think I'm a three wing too, but I don't know because there's some things about it that I'm like, oh, am I? I don't know. But I'm not a very like reflective person, you know, so it's hard for me to tell. No, it's hard. I think a lot of people that I'm friends with, they did the Enneagram test and they they got it back and they were like, that makes so much sense. And they felt like they had learned so much about themselves. And okay, these that's why I have so much trouble in this area of my life. But for me, it was like similar to you. I was like, honestly, it's very hard to figure out. (laughs) Yeah, because I feel like I'm the same way that I'm like, okay, I know this is true about me. But then depending on the day, depending on like the season of life, it can flip flop either way. And that's where the wing is difficult, you know, because I'm like, oh, sometimes I'm really charismatic and I'm really outgoing and I like love people and I can have 
conversations with them. But then some days I'm just like, no, I can't. I need to get this done. I have to focus on this. And like, they're not a priority. And so it's, it's hard to see like which wing I am. So the name of this podcast is As He Promised the Podcast because it focuses on the promise of God and how they've been relevant in other people's lives. So in your life, what is a promise of God that has been meaningful or significant in your life journey? Yeah, so luckily you alerted me of this before, so I was able to get my verse so I didn't have to try to uh, paraphrase. But um in Matthew 7, 7, um, it says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who seeks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, it will be opened. Um, for me, this is like just been repeatedly true in the sense of when I seek the Lord, He is there waiting for me. Um, and I think that comes back to like, like we talked about before, when you're busy, it's like whenever you slow down and whenever you make space for the Lord, He's there waiting, um, which has been such a beautiful thing to learn. And then also, I kind of referenced this before, but as, as I, last year, I, I worked through um, a lot of just like big questions and doubts that I, I think I'd never really, or I'd always put on the back burner and they all kind of hit me at once when I kind of stepped into leadership. Um, and it was really, really scary. Um, but the, the advice that I got from everyone in leadership was don't shy away. Like, bring those to the Lord and, and look for answers um, and press into Him in that. And it was definitely a long process. It wasn't like it wasn't like I knocked and immediately He was like, here you go. Here's everything that you've been asking for. Um, because He had a better plan than that, I think. Um, mm-hmm. But not I think I know for sure. Um but yeah, as I, as I knocked and I pursued him with my whole heart, he was so there to answer that call. Um, and I think that's something that is so straightforward, but it took me so long to get. Yeah, that's really good. I really like that. And I like how you had a scripture reference to back it up. So you know that, you know, your promise is rooted in truth. But just as a little last question, um, what is a piece of advice that you would give your past self and then also what is a piece of advice that you would give the people listening right now so two pieces of advice yeah that's hard um for myself I think I would definitely say just press in to stop being scared of what people think of you earlier um I think I had a lot of opportunities in middle school and high school that I could have really dug into. And I think I avoided because I was just scared. And it stopped me from, I think, enjoying the pleasures of life to a lot of degrees. And also stopped me from doing a lot of things that I could have done. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think similar, similarly for the advice that I would give other people, um, is like, if you're passionate about something, just go do it. I think a lot of people will ask me like, man, like, how did you get that job? Or how did you start writing songs or whatever. Um, and you just got to do it. Like if you're interested in something, just go for it. Ask people about it. Um, talk to the people who have authority in that area. Um, ask them how they got there and just go for it. 
But yeah, I think that's the advice that I would definitely give others, and I would want myself to hear both of those pieces of advice too, if I could give myself advice back in high school. Yeah, those are really good words of advice. Robbie, thank you so much for just chatting with me, being on the podcast. This was so great, just um, hearing about you know your experience in college in Greensboro and all the amazing things that you are a part of. I'm excited for everyone to just hear this and um if you guys have any questions for Robbie you can always just message him on Instagram his Instagram will be in the description or you can just message me on the podcast and I can forward all the questions to him but do you have any last words that you want to say yeah I just want to say thank you so much for having me Ariel like um this podcast has been so awesome so far and I'm just super blessed and feel privileged to be a part of it so thanks for having me All right. Once again, thank you guys for listening. Thank you, Robbie, for being on this show. And I will see you guys in a few days with a new episode. I'm trying to make them longer so you have more content and you're able to connect more with our guests. And I hope that you like what's coming up soon. See you guys.